Season 2 of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and the song you just heard is The Older I Get by Alan Jackson, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Tim Johnson. So Tim graduated from Morning Sun High School and went to Co-College. Actually, Tim just signed on for his 17th season with the Big Ten Network, and this will be his 38th season of broadcasting overall which started back in 1986 with Iowa Public Television. Tim is also a big advocate for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a community working to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. There's a lot of positive energy, and it's just an overall great conversation lies within this episode. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Tim Johnson. I was looking in and just kind of your background, and I don't know why I never realized that you're from Iowa. Morning Sun, and so I had to look up where that is, and that's not quite southeast, but it's south and east. Like, it's not like all the way down there, like by Keokuk and whatnot. Not Keokuk, but it's certainly southeast. My conference, when we were wrestling, it's called the Southeast Conference, and so that's Mediapolis and Wapolo and New London and Danville and, I, you know, that the Columbus, um, that was the conference that we were in. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was, uh, and so, you know, the history there obviously is incredible because, yeah. uh, coach Dara, who then, um, you know, uh, he, he wasn't even a wrestling coach. He was the basketball coach at morning sun and, <laughs> uh, the football coach and the track coach and the baseball coach. And he came there and then, um, decided to start a wrestling program and, uh, um, you know, basically, uh, saved my life. I mean, I had the, uh, lawnmower accident that left me a cripple when I was, uh, going into first grade. And he just, he was my, we called it PT back then, um, physical training instead of fit PE. And he was my PT teacher. And, uh, and he just wouldn't let me make any excuses. And he told me I was a stud before I even knew I, I took that word home to my mom and she thought it was a curse word. And, uh, <laughs> And um, so he uh, and then, of course, you know, I heard your uh, broadcast with um, uh, Brad Smith and um, Al Baxter was our first state champion in Morning Sun. And really? so, yeah, he was my first hero. And so he and I still and I, I, it's funny, I just heard his voice on Saturday, but um, he and I have been longtime friends. But I was just in fifth grade when he won Morning Sun's first state title ever. And at um, McElroy Auditorium in Waterloo, Dan Gable won that year as well. But I was sitting with his family and watched him win. And um, it was uh, it, it was a great moment for Morning Sun. It was a great moment yeah. for Coach Dara. And um, 
Um, I, it's funny, I just heard um, Coach Baxter's voice because um, some reason I was on Facebook. I, I get on there accidentally sometimes and, <laughs> and um, uh, Lisbon was celebrating their 50th um, reunion of their first state title. And there's, you know, the guys all I know because that was the year after I graduated from high school. And so uh, Doug Lord and Dougie Englert and the Bennett boys, et cetera. And I hear coach on the uh, like Zoom or something talking at this restaurant they were at because I was uh, and all of a sudden this kid leans in and it was Randy Majors, my first state champion at Mount Vernon High School. So mm -hmm. then I was the coach at Mount Vernon and Al Baxter was the coach at Lisbon the first year um, mm -hmm. that I was at Mount Vernon. And so my first state champion, Randy Majors and Jim Lord and Jim and Randy were each of the school's first ever division one All-Americans um, for um, Mount Vernon, Randy was, and um, and then um, Jim Lord. So it was, it was just neat. I, so my, I mean, he's, he's 62 now, my first state champion. And, and um, I got a couple others that are retired. And, and so it just kind of blows your mind that life goes that fast. Yeah. Wow. Man, what was it like coaching against Al Baxter? I mean, here's here's your hero, and now yeah. you're in the opposite corner. That had to uh, be yeah. Well, Al had a lot to do with uh, you know life's about relationships, and right. you can you can draw the uh, line back to uh, very few people that have uh, everything to do with everything you've ever done. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll, I'll never forget when I was in um, fifth grade after he won the state title, um, we had like a little jamboree because we didn't have kids wrestling or junior high wrestling back then we had a little jamboree in the uh, gymnasium for the uh, fifth sixth seventh and eighth graders and al was the ceremonial he was the uh, official and so i i i remember i pinned my guy or something and he goes over and he holds up my hand and uh, <laughs> as a victor and he goes way to go he whispered in my ear way to go tiger and I, i've heard that all my life ever since you know and uh then um uh, when I was wrestling, um, he's the one that helped me decide to go to Co because he was at Lisbon, but um, Baron Bremner was the head coach at Co, and um, and um, Al thought that would be a good fit for me, and so he kind of paved the way there. And then um, I, after Co, I went to Northern Iowa to grad school, and um, Chuck Patton and Don Briggs were huge influences in my life, and. I got the job right out of grad school at Mount Vernon High School. Tremendous job for a young guy. I was 23 years old. And and uh, so it was really, I mean, those um, rivalries uh, were unbelievable, Kelby, as far as the pack gyms. It didn't matter whether school, in, a couple of times in my five years at Mount Vernon, school was out because of snow, but the, mm -hmm. but the, uh, um, the, the the dual meets went on and they were packed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and so um so yeah that for and then after that Al went to Buena Vista. But Al beat me. Al beat us <laughs> that year. And then Brad came and I had a run of three straight wins over Brad no before, kidding. before he got me by one point on his last one. And I was just at a uh, uh, a luncheon that um uh, my best friend growing up, Nick Hobbs um gathers um wrestling guys every wednesday uh, once a month on wednesdays um at, at a uh, restaurant in iowa city and um i was driving through so i stopped for it and i 
I said, how did you get me on that one duel to Brad? You know, because <laughs> I, I had a clean slate there and had a good run there, but he got me um, on the, the last duel meet we had. And so uh, good times, good times. Yeah. What was his answer? How did he get you? Well, I, it's, 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 it's a great story because I, I just think it was things, you know, it's usually when I look at things like that, it's always because of a coach's mistake, me. And um, I could write a book on the, uh, on the dozen biggest mistakes I made in, at Vets Auditorium in Des Moines as a coach at the state tournament for, you know, I've got mm -hmm. that book in my mind, you know, I had a lot of state champions and, you know, and had offered, you know, Greg Randall was a four timer and Paul Hufford and everything, but you remember, you remember the bonehead mistakes you make. Mm -hmm. And so I had a kid that was, uh, I remember he, he, he was killing the Lisbon kid and he had him on his back um, with more than a minute left, you know, just really tight on his back. And he was ahead seven to nothing. I, I mean, it was going to be seven to nothing uh, if mm -hmm. he didn't pin. So the pin, how do you say, let him up? But mm -hmm, my right. point is they won 22 to 21. And if he'd have pinned him, we would have won. Mm -hmm. But if I would have said, let him go and take right. him down, it had been 22 to 22, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and that was early on in the, it was about five matches in. And um, so it was, it was good meet. Um, <laughs> um, we both won the same amount of matches and, 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 and things like that. But uh, you remember, you remember how you lose um, <laughs> more than you you remember the wins. Yeah, and then so you you were there for five years. Why did you end up leaving for USA Wrestling? Because the opportunity presented itself. I mean, um, mm -hmm. again, um, you know, uh, I you know I, I wasn't married. Um, I was offered the year before to come and be, um, at the time it was the USWF, United States Wrestling Federation. Mm -hmm. And we were in a battle to try to become the national governing body um, for um, uh, the Olympics uh, fight with AAU. And, um, you know, the national juniors began as a USWF um, uh, tournament in 1971. Mm -hmm. And it was at the field house in Iowa City. And I was uh, the national coach, I mean, uh, Iowa coach, along with Bob Dara and, um, and Jim Miller, and uh, the three of us were the ones that had the team, that, uh, all this kind of stuff, and I got to know the uh, uh, executive director of, um, of uh, USWF, and, and Chuck Patton thought I would do a good job, and that was offered to me um, after four years to come and be his first full-time national events director, uh, for, and um, and you know, I had Greg and Steve Randall coming back. I had a great group of guys. I wasn't going to leave before, you know, there'd only been four, um, four timers at the time. And I wasn't going to leave then. I loved my kids. The next year, though, they came back and said, we haven't found the guy. We're offering it to you. And I said, why not? So I moved to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And um, on the week I got there, uh, we became USA Wrestling and took over as the uh, national governing body. And, and then, um, traveled around the United States uh, running the, you know, Central Juniors, Southeast Junior, all the junior championships, and then the Opens, and then had the opportunity and moved to uh, LA in 84, and had the opportunity to direct the Olympic Games in LA for wrestling in 84. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think that I never thought I would leave. I, I mean, I knew I wanted to coach at 12 years old because of Coach Dara and his influence in my mm -hmm. life. And 
And uh, I thought I'd never be anything but a coach. And I haven't really been anything but a coach. It's just that sometimes you go to different levels to coach. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I think I was called then into uh, kind of see that wrestling was promoted. And um, and so that's that's why just the opportunity presented itself. And um, it was um, an incredible opportunity and experience um, with USA Wrestling. Yeah, were you were you teaching at the time too? Then at Mount Vernon? Yeah, I was phys physical education teacher, and um, I learned a lot there um, because uh, Shirley Ryan was the uh, head volleyballs coach, and later, um, you know, around you know your during your time in high school, Mount Vernon was really good in volleyball, yeah. and she stayed there and coached. But she was also twice the physical education teacher of the year in Iowa, and so she really taught me. Um, I had to really um, step it up and not be a ball roller, you know, and we had an incredible curriculum and we were teaching pickleball in 1977, 78 um, as a, a six week curriculum in the gymnasium. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I was uh, the physical education teacher. Um, I was also the baseball coach for three years. I love baseball. I just I wasn't wasn't very good at it, but that's probably my, my son was a baseball player. And um, so we've been a baseball family um, uh, for many years. And, uh, but uh, um, as a baseball coach and the, the, the wrestling coach and, and, uh, but I was year round wrestling. And so yeah. uh, um, that was, uh, it, it was great times. Yeah. What was that 84 Olympics like? I mean, US, USA had a really good uh, showing there you know, at 84. And I mean, you were there for every step of the way. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty special. Yeah, it really was. I was only, you know, like uh, 30 years old and um, uh, 84 was special in a lot of ways. So I, um, I went up, let's see, I, um, Leroy Smith, who's the uh, executive director of the Wrestling Hall of Fame, John Smith's older brother, mm -hmm. and I were roommates in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And he, was on the world team. He'd just gotten a silver medal the year before on the world team. And he was up uh, working out um, in Iowa City with Gable and the boys for the uh, World Cup that was coming up. And he came back and walked into our trailer and said, hey, I met this girl. And I said, well, that's great. You know, and he goes, yeah, she's from Iowa City and, and her name's Lisa. And I said, that's good. And he told me your last name. And I said, no, I don't know her. And and uh, he said, well, I took her to a couple of movies and I said, great. And he said, well, you're going up there because I was home. I, I came back to um, a couple of times back to Stillwater from L.A. to still do some business with USA Wrestling and because they had loaned me out to uh, the Olympic Committee. And um, um, and I and he said, hey, you're going to Iowa City to get ready for the trials. Um, and um, why don't you ask her out? And I said, you're the one that found her. And he goes, well, check her out for me. And I go up and and uh, my friends, Dick Briggs and uh, Mike Smith, Jim Miller, um, and I were all going to go out dinner and dancing. And I was looking for a date. Couldn't find one on Friday night. And so on Saturday morning, I call up Lisa, Leroy's friend, said, hey, would you like to go out to dinner and dancing? And she goes, sure, Leroy's friend. I'm Leroy's friend. We go out and I opened up the door and I went, whoo, this will not be an unpleasant evening. She was <laughs> drop 
dead gorgeous. Yeah. And um, three months later, we were married on the Queen Mary in Long Beach two weeks before the Olympics. And we just celebrated 39 years. And wow. so, <laughs> so the Olympics were actually second. Um, and it was an incredible. I had Lisa come out and um, uh, she was on the staff too, but um, she did the wall charts and a couple of them are up in the Dan Gable Museum. And she, that's her handwriting there. Yeah. And um and so, um, yeah, it was really cool because, uh, you know, Gable was the coach and, um, um, we, you know, USA uh, had the first Greco champion, Steve Frazier, Jeff Blatnick, who became my broadcasting partner years later with ESPN, uh, winning golds, first ones ever for Greco. Um, it was just, uh, it was at the Anaheim Convention Center, which is right across the street from Disneyland. And oh, um, that's yes. where... Uh, that's where the um, wrestling Olympics were and highly successful. Um, uh, Peter Uberoth, who later became the president of the USOC and the uh, commissioner of Major League Baseball, um, really saved the Olympic movement that year with his uh, business friends. And what they did was you uh, primarily used um, existing facilities so that they wouldn't go so far in debt and then um, actually made um, the Olympics profitable uh, for the first time. And it was an incredible success. And for a kid that I, I had no idea, you know, I'd never run an Olympics before mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, it all worked out. Did you say that USA Wrestling loaned you to the Olympic Committee? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, basically I wasn't, you know, I went and became a part of the LA 84 mm -hmm. Olympics Okay, mm -hmm. but I still had I they had somebody else um, kind of covering actually Phil Callahan. Phil Callahan was a state champion for Clinton, Iowa, and then an All-American for um, uh, Illinois. And he was um, an intern for me at USA Wrestling. And uh, he was uh, we had, the year before. Um, Bob Bowlesby, one of my longtime friends, he was the um, Unidome director and. He and I moved the national juniors from the field house in Iowa City in 82 to the Unidome in 83. Oh, okay. And um, but I missed the 84 national juniors. And I yet I would go back to Stillwater a couple of times and um, uh, just kind of maybe make sure things were running OK. But I was full time with the Olympic. Um, I, I, I lived in Redondo Beach and LA and, and uh, lived right across to, to, from the ocean. And um, I thought, oh, this is gonna be great. And um, <laughs> it was such an intense experience getting ready for the Olympics that if I didn't get on the uh, free, I was 12 miles from Marina Del Rey where the Olympic headquarters were. Uh -huh. And if I didn't get on the freeway before six o'clock in the morning, it was the difference between a short trip of 45 minutes for that 12 and or an hour and a half for that 12 <laughs> miles. And if I didn't get on before 2.30 in the afternoon, it was the same. And so I was leaving at 5.30 in the morning and not coming home until eight o'clock at night. And I ended up wow. having the whitest body I've ever had. I lived right <laughs> across from the beach and I was never on it because it was such an intense, um, you know, preparation for, um, you know, the world stage. And, and it was really a neat, wow. neat experience, but it, it was, it was hard. Wow. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you're prepping for, like you said, the world 
to yeah, come. and hiring 400 staff and yeah. um, and or volunteers and um, and you know overseeing all of that and just making sure that it all ran well and um, and so it uh, it worked out good. Mm-hmm. So what about I guess a little bit about your wrestling career? You know, you wrestled that Morning Sun. Yeah, you, know, you wrestled that Co. Yeah, you know, like that. That's about it. I mean, you know, I mean, you you are the rest. I, you know, I was um, um, above average wrestler, um, and um, I had a, uh, I had some uh, physical limitations to um, overcome, and had mm-hmm. my own style. Um, and um, uh, you know, one neat thing, um, you know, it, the the state tournament um, uh, was always in Waterloo or other places, and in 1970, um, it. Uh, moved to Vets Auditorium in Des Moines. And mm-hmm. so we were doing up downs all the time and we were a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. And um, every time we would do up, we, we, we hit the mat and say, Vets, 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 you know. And what's interesting is um, um, I, I was one of the first eight four mats out on the floor at that time. You only qualified eight to the state. And I was the 98 pounder. And so a couple of interesting things. So when I stepped on the mat um, at Vets, then um, basically I was the first on that mat and one of Mm -hmm. eight to ever wrestle at Vets, uh, you know? And I looked over at the scoring table and there was Coach Dara. And Coach Dara had left Morning Sun and um, then the, um, to be the head coach at Urbandale High School for two years. And then he took over at Dowling and this was his first year at Dowling and they didn't have any state qualifiers his first year. So he had all his kids come down and work the tables and he happened to be working the scoring table of the mat that I was stepping on. No kidding. The the guy that basically saved my life and Mm -hmm. and gave me, uh, you know, it came full circle. We, we coached together national juniors. And then I got to speak um, representing morning sun at his uh, celebration of life at Simpson College uh, three years ago. Um, and um, we remained close for um, his entire lifetime. Yeah. And so why did you end up choosing Co? Do you say Al well, Again, I mean, um, Al Baxter really said Baron Bremner's the real deal. I went up and visited and, you know, I was, that's, that's who I was. I was a division three, probably, um, you know, uh, wrestler and, um, uh, my mom went to Co, and so really? I guess I, yeah, and um, and so I, I don't know. I just uh, um, thought it was a good fit, and um, and then um, you know, uh, placed in the conference three years and qualified for the NCAA's, and and was uh, just an above average wrestler, and and uh, loved the sport, and knew mm-hmm. I wanted to coach, and I didn't learn anything at Co. I just wanted to get that a certificate that said I could go uh coach and mm-hmm. uh uh you know you, you I just went after what I wanted and um and so um you know it's uh uh and then I went to northern Iowa went to UNI right after that to get my um uh, master's degree um and um that was a connection with Don Briggs and um and then I got to uh spend time with uh um, Chuck Patton and Don Briggs learned a lot. Chuck Patton is basically the reason that I got the Mount Vernon job, got the USA wrestling job and got the broadcasting job, which I'm sure we'll talk wow. about. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I say it all the time, life's about relationships. And that's where I met Jim Miller. Jim Miller and I were each other's best uh, men in, in our in our wedding. Oh, and, really? 
Yeah. And uh, so he was at the Queen Mary, came out standing in their chapel of the Queen Mary. And uh, um, and uh, so um, you and I um, uh, was a, a, a place that I did learn a lot. And yeah. then I was at Mount Vernon from there. And um, and so um, and after USA Wrestling, I wondered if I could do anything but wrestling. You know, that has been my entire life. And and so. Um, I had the opportunity to move up to Wichita, Kansas, and uh, be the CEO of the Metropolitan YMCA's. And um, I had never been, I swam at the Y when I was a kid in Burlington, <laughs> Iowa. But um, um, I, I cut my teeth on uh, staff development, board development, and donor development there. But what I understood, um, there was a, just something in my gut that um, I knew uh, the YMCA's a tremendous um, uh, organization mm -hmm. and they're about community betterment and that's wonderful and this was an incredible experience but I knew I was about coaches and athletes and a friend of mine um, sports psychologist Dan Gould called me and said hey uh, Reiner Martin who's his friend who um, owned and started known which is still current, um, the largest um, uh, publishing company in the world for sport and physical education, Human Kinetics in Champaign, Illinois. And he was looking for a director and, uh, for a national coaching education program. And I ended up, Lisa and I moved here to Champaign, Illinois in 1990. And then um, I really, really was um, uh, desired to help uh, athletic directors, um, coach coaches, and mm -hmm. um, and I, I and I've always said we know who's coaching the kids, but who's coaching the coaches, and um, that was been a great desire of mine. And then when I was in Stillwater, Oklahoma, um, uh, that's where God got a hold of me from a standpoint of just um, um, getting my attention. It was kind of my desert experience, and I uh, walked into a um, a church called University Heights Baptist and a former athlete from Oklahoma State was the preacher and I grew up in the church but you know God opened my heart and my eyes to uh, the truth of Jesus and um, my life was changed after chasing darkness for many years and my life was changed at about 29 years old and so I had a growing desire Lisa and I were uh, discipled and um, uh, growing in Christ over those years. And when we came to Champaign, I, I, I wanted to, um, I just really wanted to serve him in sports somehow. And um, I didn't know whether I wanted to be the athletic director at a college or be in sporting goods, but um, I ended up uh, being called, ne never thought about being in full-time Christian ministry one day of my life. And Lisa and I ended up being called in 1993 to be Illinois' first state director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, um, and then we're retiring in 10 days from right now wow. after 30 years. And uh, uh, I oversee um, the Midwest, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois, but 230 staff um, and um, have been the vice president for FCA. And um, and so going to land that plane and mm -hmm. uh, see what God's uh, got for me in my 70s coming up. Yeah. What what I guess expand on that a little bit. What is the FCA? The, like, how do you get involved in 
where does what is it to begin with i should ask yeah i mean we um uh, you know our our vision is to see the world impacted for Jesus Christ um, mm -hmm. through the influence of coaches and athletes. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then we help coaches lead their athletes to Christ. I mean, I, I believe it's, you know, the, the, the hope that we have in this world. And so our mission is to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and the, and the fellowship of their church. And so we, um, are we work to and through the coach and so our staff have mm -hmm. a great desire to coach coaches and help them understand their why their real why you know mm -hmm. why why do i coach what's my purpose what's the meaning how can i is it just about you know that three-quarter inch mat and um is it just about getting your hand raised or is there more to it than that What's my, why have I been called to coaching? And so we help coaches find their why. And um, so we have staff. Omaha has a lot of staff there. Ryan Sears is the head of the Omaha FCA, and he was the uh, point guard for Creighton for many years, years ago. He's from Ankeny, Iowa, but he was a um, part of a really good um, uh, Creighton basketball team. And, um, um, and we have great presence at Nebraska and, um, and when Lisa and I started, there were only 179 staff and we were U.S. Um, uh, bordered. Um, we have over 3,000 staff. We're in 114 <laughs> countries now. Um, wow. uh, Carl Perry was a NCAA champion for Illinois in 2000. Um, and um, he uh, was then a longtime um, coach with his head coach, Mark Johnson. I was just at Mark's. Mark just got a hip replacement, and I just spent an hour and a half on his back porch today um, <laughs> just talking with him. But he was Gable's longtime assistant at Iowa, then the head coach at Illinois for many years. Um, and uh, But Carl Perry heads up um, FCA Wrestling. And um, he uh, – so we have a sports-specific uh, ministry for wrestling, but he and I – uh, Mark Ellis is on that staff. He was an NCAA champion for Missouri, um, several others. We went over to the Ukraine a few years ago, uh, took, took two 12-hour um, train rides and ran a, um, uh, a camp for 90 kids and coaches in a place called Melitopol. And, um, and so that's before the war. Um, but um, we're truly global now, FCA is. And it uh, continues to grow because um, no one is uh, getting any less interested in sport. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you, you, people are looking for purpose and meaning. And um, we, we want everyone to know that you can find your purpose and your meaning uh, through Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's got to be a pretty good feeling when when you feel when you see the coaches realize it or like it dawns on them like their why or their purpose when they start to realize it it's just got to be a pretty amazing feeling to witness you that know, click. you know that's true and i i was really impressed always have been i, I love brad smith we're same age but um you know i've always been inspired because i think brad's known his why and has done such a good job and there's some other coaches and they got it before me because i mean i could make the best better i mean i I, I put the time in. I mean, there wasn't a freestyle tournament. I wasn't that. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, the best got better under me. But um, when you can, uh, you know, 
Brad even mentioned it in your podcast. I mean, he was interested in each kid that walked through that door and getting more to walk through that door so he could help them be the best they could be, even if they never put on the varsity uniform. Um, and, and that's the beginning of knowing your why, um, mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's taken me a long time, Kelby, but um, I, my story, I was about uh, 15 years ago. I remember um, going, man, I was lamenting not winning that state title or national title. And I just was prompted. I could, I, I, it was a great impression on my heart. I've never heard the Lord speak to me audibly, but he impressed upon my heart. I just remember, and I'm, I'm looking at the door that I was standing in front of right now. And, and I hear this, huh, you think it was about that three quarter inch, Matt? He goes, that is just the beginning. He goes, you always talk about um, leaving it on the mat. He said, uh, -uh. You're to take your mat with you, you know, take your mat with you throughout life. Every day you open that door, that's your mat. Hmm. There's championships to win. And I'm going, you're kidding me. There's championships to win. I decided to go out and get on my Schwinn Airdyne. I've been on a Schwinn Airdyne. I'm on my third one right now since 1988. And um, I thought of the guys that beat me because, you know, for a variety of reasons, but I was saying to myself, if I had the body I had 50 years ago, but the mind I have now, how good could I be, you know? <laughs> right. And then I go, well, I'm in shape now, better than I'd ever been. You gotta yeah. be in shape. And I got a scoring move now because 38, I'm, I'm 37 years in broadcasting since I started in 1986 with Iowa Public Television. You, you grow in your knowledge of wrestling. Let me tell you, when you're calling the best there is that we have in the United States. And I go, I know my scoring move, meaning the, the move that works against the best. My cow catcher in, in high school and college, it worked against, I mean, out of 95 wins in high school, I had 56 pins. I mean, it worked against, <laughs> you know, I worked against, but did it work against the best? No, of course not, you know? And, um, and 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 so, but I had a scoring move. It was an outside single in my mind, you know, and you just get that far ankle and you, you get that ankle and you're going to get that two points, you know? And so I go, okay, I'm in shape because I'm not worried about that. I got that scoring move. So I start to wrestle. I mean, I'm wrestling this match against, you know, somebody that had beaten me. Mm -hmm. We're going along. Get to the third period. I'm up, I'm up by one point, Okay. And there's about a minute left. And the official, I, I wanted to be fair on this, official calls me for stalling. And I go, well, I'm not stalling. And I said, I'm in shape. And I got a scoring move. I got a decision to make. This is my third S. I can be strategic. I could never be strategic in the third period before because I was never in the shape that I could have been. And, and fatigue makes cowards of us all, Kelby, mm -hmm, you know, yeah. and we can't think, but I'm not, I'm in shape. And I know I've already taken this guy down. I know I can take him down. I go, I got a decision to make. What do most wrestlers do when the official calls them for stalling with 50 seconds left? What do many do, Kelby? They make a, a bad shot yep. yeah. go out of their game plan. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going, well, I'm not going to take a bad shot. I'm not stalling because I knew I wasn't stalling. He was just calling me. So I start pummeling. I start pummeling. And I'm going, 
I, if I go to overtime, I got a scoring move. Mm-hmm. I said, so I'm going for the win right here. I'm not going to take a bad shot. But it's about 20 seconds left. I go, what do I got to do right now? It's my fourth S. Sometimes you just got to suck it up. And I mean, and I go, can I suck it up? Don't I? Anyway, I win. Okay. And I'll just tell you, I mean, people, when they listen to this, they're going to think you got the craziest guy. But, you know, I'm, I'm 70 years old and, uh, you know, you can make stuff up when you're that age. But I'm not mm-hmm. making this up. And uh, anyway, the, the whole thing there is my story about how God got a hold of my life mm-hmm. until I made a total commitment to him and surrendered. There's my fifth S. Until I surrendered and allowed his life to live through me. I mean, hey, you don't have to be a believer to go, oh, man, you know, the God of the universe, you know, if there is one, comes in and lives in you. If you repent of your sins and believe uh, that Jesus died on the cross, rose again, that his life might be yours. And none of those things. I never had the motivation. I didn't have what it takes to truly get in shape, put the 10,000 hours in to do a, to get great scoring moves so that you can be strategic and be able to suck it up in life. And I've said this in, uh, you know, last year, um, as I was doing the morning rounds for ESPN, um, they asked me to give some uh, opening thoughts. And I said, you know what? America needs more wrestlers because the guts, the gumption, and the grit that it takes to grind out a seven minute match is the same characteristics, the same stuff that it takes to grind out a good 70 year life. And I, I, you know, I wrestled for my mom, I wrestled for my girlfriend, but at the end of the day, none of those were the motivation because I can't ever pay back God for what he did. And so it's so funny from a wrestling standpoint, because the last thing we want to do is surrender. But until I did, I Mm. didn't have what it took to do all that it takes to actually be in shape and, uh, and, you know, have the scoring move. And of course, what I'm really saying, it all transfers in to life. But Mm. those were real matches I was wrestling. (laughs) Wow, that's some powerful stuff there. You know, Tim, what you just said, like that whole encompassing story, you know, when, what was your why then? So, I mean, it can change over time, obviously, you know, as you grow and mature, but when did you find out your why? When I surrendered my life to Christ and I got discipled, I believe that man's purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm -hmm. So I want I think we all have a desire to, 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 fame is in our DNA, but who do you want to make famous? And when I was coaching, I wanted to make myself famous. And, um, you know, I was self-centered, uh, selfish, and um, yeah, I was, of course I wanted to, I mean, I, I was all about these kids that were really good and I wanted to make them better. But uh, there was a lot of me in, involved. And when God changed my life, he turned, uh, you know, my love for myself uh, and changed that to 
and love for him. And so my why has always been to, um, to, to bring glory to God. And, um, and, and, and so um, that just transfers in everything that I do. And I fail all the time at it, but my purpose doesn't change. And then I have various things that I do because I believe you can live out the ultimate purpose that I just shared mm -hmm. anywhere. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what you do because um, uh, your purpose, I believe, as a Christ follower is the same. And that is uh, to glorify him and and enjoy him forever. So. Uh, that became my why when my life was changed in Stillwater, Oklahoma, um, when God changed my life and and put the faith of Christ in me so that I might repent of my sins, believe in him and um, embrace his way for life, because that's why I was created, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, how did you transition that into from coaching? Because that was started to be, you know, you started to apply that to coaching, but then you know, you started broadcasting in, what'd you say, 86? So yeah. how did you apply this philosophy to broadcasting when you weren't necessarily directly coaching kids or impacting athletes in that aspect? Well, I've always wanted, I mean, I've increasingly wanted to be the best I can be. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, um, I had a great partner in Doug Brown as the play-by-play. -play. I was the analyst to start with. And I just desired to be the most excellent I could be. And I had a lot to learn. I, I didn't go to journalism school. I didn't know I was going to be. I mean, and uh, so that's, I mean, I was, uh, you know, the story behind that is Chuck Patton was the analyst for years because he had retired and he was the analyst for Iowa Public Television on college wrestling and the state tournament. And he moved to the Pacific Northwest and they, and he said, I can't. I can't keep doing it. They said, mm -hmm. who? Well, it couldn't be a current coach. And just like he did in Mount Vernon, just like he did for USA Wrestling, he goes, I think Tim Johnson would do a great job. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Doug Brooker, longtime producer of mine, uh, asked me to come by Johnston, um, Iowa, where Iowa Public Television is, so he could talk to us. And they said, well, let's try it. And um, so from then until 2007, uh, I was with Iowa Public Television doing a variety of other things for uh, like the Big Ten Championships for uh, different places before the Big Ten Network. But then um, and in 2003, I started with ESPN um, for the NCAAs. And in 2008, 2007, 2008, um, uh, the Big Ten Network. But um, uh, I just um, it's funny because I don't know when you determined that you wanted to be in the broadcasting journalism business, but I do remember when I was coaching and looking over and seeing the people that were, because I happened to have, I was in the finals every year with kids, you know, and so I'd see, I go, this would be an interesting job, never knowing that I would be calling the state tournament for 20 some years. And, um, you know, but the, the great story, Kelby, um, 1998, fall of 98, Gable had been retired for a year mm -hmm. and Doug Brown was retiring. I'm going to move over to play-by-play -play, and we're asking Gable to join the team. <laughs> so we're sitting in his chalet office behind his house north of Iowa City. Doug Brooker, the, assist, uh, the producer, the assistant producer and myself, 
we say, Dan, we want you to join us. And um, Dan, I've told this story with Dan. It's pretty funny a lot. I mean, some people have heard this a hundred times. <laughs> and he's rubbing his hands and he's looking down. He goes, you know, everything I've ever done, I want to I wanna be the best at. And he's still looking down and he says, this is no different. It's no different. I mean, it's almost word for word, just like then he looks up, he points at me and he goes, Timmy, you're good, but you can be better. I'm telling you, I'm about 45 years old at the time. Kelby, there's hardly been a day that that voice and those words haven't been in my head. You're good, but you can be better. I told that. Dan was down to morning sun at our golf, a golf, an FCA golf tournament. He was supporting it, came down. We had about 100 golfers listening to us before they went out and played. And I tell that story. Dan's standing by me. They laugh. You know, they, they, they thought it was a good one. And he looks at me dead serious. He goes, you got better, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, that was the coach. Mm -hmm. And um, and since then, Boy, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I just want to be better. And when I don't want to be better, um, that'll be the day that, you know, I don't do that anymore. But, mm -hmm. you know, I've been able to, you know, stay on the teams for 37 years. And, and um, um, and you know, what's really neat is, you know, our broadcasts are better than ever. And so Jim came on, Jim Gibbons came on and joined us because people thought that Dan was a little too um, uh, favoring um, Iowa. So <laughs> let's get an Iowa State guy. And so there's Tim Johnson in the middle. I'm holding down Dan over here because he's jumping out of his seat. And I'm making sure these guys are separated because, you know, they're, uh, you know, they cyclone and, and, and Iowa and the whole bit. But tremendous. Jim is a, a, a tremendous broadcaster, a great friend of mine, and we've had a great run together. But then a few years ago, Shane Sparks comes in and he's just, as you, you've said, you've talked to him. Shane is a tremendous person. He's a tremendous talent. And uh, but when he started, he just would do anything. I don't even think they paid him. And he ran around with us and did sideline reporting and things. But I just really had it on my heart. I wanted to help him. Um, um, and he's a play-by-play uh, -play guy because he's a true, true, that's what he does for a living, but he's better than I ever thought about being. And so probably, I just, I, that's probably one of the highlights for me is seeing now his social media presence, the, the, um, the Monday night show, um, the things that really have come because uh, I, I I have no desire to be 24-7 on social media and do all those things that you need to be. And so now I've kind of, I'm um, mentoring another, Ray Flores. I'm mentoring yes. him now. He's a boxing guy. He comes really prepared, just like Shane always does. And so Jim and I aren't together except for the Big Tens when the three of us are there. But I'm mentoring um, Ray along on the, the analyst and kind of love the uh, setup you know, Michigan, Ohio State ain't bad, but it's mm -hmm. not Penn State, Iowa. Yep. I'll do Michigan. Ray and I do Michigan and Penn, uh, you know, Ohio State at seven o'clock and then at nine o'clock, you know. And so that has been a real uh, delight for me, um, my relationship and seeing Shane uh, blossom like that and still getting to be kind of the 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 old 
the old man on the team that's still chugging along and someday mm -hmm. they're just going to say, Hey, you know, we're going to go a different direction and I'll say, Hey, it's been a great ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's awesome that you're paying it forward, you know, for one, uh, but I want to ask what your, what was your goal at the very beginning? You know, like you, you said, you never thought you'd be into broadcasting and here you are, you know, how many years later, what were your goals when you were just starting out, like even out of college when you were in Mount Vernon? You know, like, where did you see yourself? Did you have a five-year plan? Did you think you were going to be obviously where you are today? Like, well, I alluded to it, Kelby. I mean, I was all about me. I mean, you know, I, I wanted to win state championships, um, you know, um, and for the team and all that. But, uh, you know, you, you, I was a glory hound just like a lot of us uh, at one time or, or not mm -hmm. and um and so um my focus really um didn't come into play until my my life was transformed uh, by mm -hmm. Christ and um you know if you wanted to give one attribute and say who is Jesus i would say that attribute is humility i mean you don't go to the cross um and die uh, uh you know for uh you know sinners um, and, um, except for humility and I didn't have that, um, and, um, until my life was changed. And so, um, you know, probably whatever I was thinking about was, um, how could I be most recognized or, um, how could I make a name for myself? And then God changed my heart. And I just said, wherever you want me, Lord, that's, uh, you know, um, where I want to be and I want to do it uh, for your glory. And so um, when I first started out, um, let's say, um, you know, it, it seemed like a pretty cool thing to go with USA Wrestling, be their national events director, pretty cool thing to, um, um, you know, run the Olympics. But about that time is when um, God started getting a hold of my life and, you um, uh, focusing me in a direction uh, that uh, wanted to grow in him and then go tell others about him. Um, so wherever you are, um, I've always said, um, wherever you are, be all there. And um, that's what I've tried to do the last 30 years. And so I've been broadcasting for all that time. And so I think that's, it's, um, uh, I just want to bring a great product so that when you're watching it, uh, you're not, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit, you know, I have kind of a, um, a reputation. I'm, I'm brief. I get excited, but I get in and out. I don't like to talk uh, too much. I just get in and out and I want people to watch the wrestling. And I'm also not highly technical on things um, because um, I want it to, uh, be something that people can enjoy and not have to think too hard about. Um, but I don't think it's hard for them to uh, miss my enthusiasm. And mm -hmm. so um, that's just natural. And I just love seeing um, wrestlers excel. I also love um, the, um, I, I, I say this a lot, never underestimate the power and influence of a coach. So mm -hmm. I tell a lot of coach athlete stories and that's something I do probably more than other broadcasters. So I spend time thinking about and looking at the stories, the connections with the coaches and athletes. And, and um, I spend time talking about that. Um, and um, 
you know, people say, you know, who's your favorite place to call wrestling? And I would tell you this, anywhere where the arena's packed and it's a top five matchup. I mean, mm-hmm. so, and you know, um, that has been a Carver that's been Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota, um, uh, you know, um, Nebraska has a nice following and they can have some big matches, but probably the one that you would have, I would have said, I never would have dreamed. And that is in 2015 when we did um, Grapple on the Gridiron. Um, and, um, you know, we had uh, 45,000 in Kinnick and it turned into be a beautiful day. And mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of blew my mind. It was just incredible um, atmosphere. And um, it was, uh, that was a neat experience. I've, I've called 18 finals um, for the um, NCAAs. And um, um, that's always great because it's always packed. Um, I, have, I was part of the broadcast team for the uh, uh, 2012 Olympics in London. And uh, so a lot of exciting, but you know, um, it, it, I just love seeing wrestlers step out on the mat and um, and giving their best and entertaining. And so I don't want to take away from that. And I just really try to focus on having people being able to see just the excitement of Bo Nickel and Miles Martin and holy <laughs> cow. I mean, that's just unbelievable stuff. Yeah, if you, that grapple on the gridiron, man, if you weren't a believer and got it, you know, before then. I mean, that was, I, you you could not have scripted a better day. The two, two of the most storied programs, like it was, I can't really describe it. It was just almost, it was just perfect. I Were mean, there? no, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was working, but I was, uh, you watched it that oh, night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was just incredible. Um, yeah. and, uh, so yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the Midwest, obviously, you know, Iowa, weather could be, it's November, it could be anything. And, they and had it, it all set up. The only thing that could have rained, if it would have rained, it would have ruined it, but they had the heat underneath the mats and the whole bit. Yeah. Uh, so how, I want to ask, how come you never got back into coaching or teaching? You know, you have, you've been doing this for how long and you hey, said, who said, who said I haven't got that I'm not getting back into coaching? <laughs> You're right. You're right. There's still, there's still a chance, right? You know, here's something that most people, I'm not just going to say most people your age, Kobe, mm-hmm. most people, because, because the, the, the negative narrative through the media and everything you read and see every day says, um, well, Hey, I mean, they're telling 55 years old to retire, you know, I mean, I'll be 70 in a month. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe Kelby it's only logical. It's only logical that your greatest value to society would be in your seventies if you're allowed to live. I mean, because I you got I got my health. Um, mm-hmm. I've made I've made so many mistakes that you know maybe I can rein them in and and um, figure some things out. And um, so I'm going to take some time. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see. I've got so much to learn. And um, I'm looking forward. I'm going to take some time to just figure out what's next. But I thought, you know, I don't know what it is, 
But I thought, if I was to coach, you know, I'd do things like, if I, if I was to coach again, um, you know, I'd do things like, um, uh, I'd focus on the preparation time. Gable said zero hour is the time you step on the mat to perform. All the time before that is preparation. And he says, the longer, the better. And I think, you know, I was, um, I've been thinking about, um, you know, helping my athletes focus on the preparation time uh, as the most, what's most important. And, um, you know, I would also be talking to, um, uh, you know, my team about what weight to go up to, not what weight to go down to. So that, I mean, I'd be talking about, you know, being in shape and, 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 and obviously gaining strength, but I'd be thinking about if it was in high school, it's February. If it's in, um, if it's in college, it's March. I mean, when do you want them enjoying wrestling most, being most excited about it? You know, you call it peaking, whatever. And I'm going, I would, I would talk to them about, in one sense, how unimportant November and December is. Now it's important because you gotta, you gotta have a five star. But some, you know, I cut so much weight in high school and college. And it took the joy out of it for me. And, and um, I'd also talk a lot about, I, like I said, I was really good. I mean, we had um, 10 semifinalists in those five years and we won 10 wow. of those 10. Okay. And we won wow. eight out of the 10 in the finals, but here's where I could have had so many more in the backside. If you understand, I mean, I'm not sure there's anything that is a greater indicator of whether you're going to be successful in life or not when you find yourself on the backside. And I'm not sure there's any greater medal in many cases than the bronze medal when you when you've had heartbreak and yeah. And my point is obviously mm -hmm. we love the gold, but my point is um, I would help my wrestlers so much more understand how they can show their grit and their guts and their gumption and gain so much um in that backside in the in these tournaments and things like that i mean you know jordan burroughs i don't think we've ever had anybody like him in many many ways and he's a friend and and the, but where i've seen his real gold medal mentality is when he's been hugely disappointed failed in his eyes, come back and win bronze, come back the next time and win a world championship at a different weight. Uh, I love those comebacks. Um, I would also, I, I know another thing, it's, it's, I would, um, I would battle my administration to provide great facilities. Um, uh, space mostly because I would, want to get every kid I could to come out. And that wasn't what I, I didn't care. I just wanted those 19 that wanted to suck it up and do it right and win. Now I'd want 90 if that's what it goes because of what wrestling can do for you. And, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I'd lean into my wrestlers and help them understand that the hard stuff usually brings about the best stuff. And so, hey, I'm not going to coach again, Kelby. 
but oh, I've you never had stopped, me. <laughs> but I've never stopped coaching. And so I'm always coaching somebody somewhere. But I just wanted to let you know, hey, you know, I think about it. Wow. Yeah. You know, after all that, I, I feel like you still could. You still have it in you, you know, like if you wanted to next year or this year, this upcoming year, if you wanted to, and someone gave you opportunity, you could do it. Like, I got a son-in-law wow. that I have to help. My son-in-law is Kyle Rochelle, and he's the head coach at Chattanooga, UTC. Mm -hmm. And we've got to raise um, $6 million and get him a facility that uh, is worthy. They're the gateway to the South. There's no programs in Florida, Georgia, Alabama. There's Chattanooga. And mm -hmm. um, he's a great coach. He was a, you know, a, a two-time, he was a backside guy. He got disappointed mm -hmm. a couple of times. He's one of those guys that won seven in a row once uh, to get third at the NCAA. Yeah. And um, he's a tremendous husband and father. Now I have a 20-month-old uh, grandson, Otto. My daughter, she used to help me with the Big Ten Network. And and uh, when I when he got the head job at Chattanooga, I called his dad, who is a head wrestling coach in Kentucky. And and I said, hey, congrats. He said, well, when Kyle was a seventh grader, he wrote goals and uh, one of the goals was to be the head coach of a division one college program. And I said, well, if Allie was writing goals in seventh grade, and I don't think she was, but she probably would have written, I want to be the wife of a head uh, college coach in division one. And she's just perfect. And, and so um, I help him um, from the mental uh, side of things, from the spiritual side of things. And um I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, what I really want to do is I want to open up a corner gas station and I want to teach 15 and 16 year olds how to work and have one a station that um, does uh, full service and washes your windows and pumps the gas. And then I want to have a coffee shop so people can come on in and talk about purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And um, I was getting excited about a year ago, Kelby. And um I hear this voice again, not audibly, but I hear this. You can do that when you're 80. I go, what? <laughs> you can do that when you're 80. So the Lord's got something else for me in my 70s. Right on. I'm excited to see what it is. Because you're just starting your 70s. So yeah, yeah. Of, of adventures. I mean, um, you know, I, I want to tell a story real quick, uh, echoing about how hard it is to win a bronze medal. Um I forget the pair of volleyball, the women volleyball players, uh, Sarah, I forget their names. Misty May trainer, I think was one of them. All right. Um, they were really good. They, they always won gold. Yes. One year, one year they got beat and they won bronze and they said it was the toughest thing they ever had to do because they always, you always expect to win gold. So when you don't lose, you know, you don't face that adversity, and so losing and coming back and getting bronze almost meant more than the gold because of what they had to overcome to get it. So um, I, I echo that sentiment that coming Big back time. after losses is, is incredibly difficult. And, and people need coaching. Crushed. Yeah, people need coaching. I mean, the coach needs to understand when your dreams are crushed to give them the, 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 the next dream and to help uh, them understand that um, – you know, it's more than about that. And man, mm -hmm. when you can come back and win on the backside, then you'll, you'll come back and win in life when mm -hmm. you have, because we're all going to be disappointed and have great disappointments, you know, and now it's what you do with them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you then, 
what when was a time or that you can think of that you faced some great difficulty or great adversity and you had to rebound and come back from that? Well, that's that's pretty early for me. Um, I got my leg cut off by a lawnmower when I was not quite seven years old and had a 17 year old Eagle Scout working on the farm, saw my shoestring in my um, uh, shoe, took it out, put a tourniquet on, saved my life and saved my leg. I had eight operations in eight years and um, I was always on crutches. And because of Coach Dara, he just said, hey, you got to keep going. And, uh, you know, nobody can beat you and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and uh, you know, and he put courage in me. Um, and um, I, um, I, I'll never forget that. He knew what to say. He, um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I call it the, the life changing um, uh, you know, of, of positive words, the life changing effect of positive words. And, um, and so um, I, I had to come back from that um, throughout my life. And, um, and so um, I also um, would um, say that, uh, you know, you just, as I, as I look at things, um, you know, I, I, I lost a, you know, I lost a, a great friend in a car wreck when I was uh, 19 and you have to come back from things like that. And, um, and so I, I believe that, um, you know, God's in control and um, I've never, never in my life, Kelby, have I, um, um, how would you say, um, my accident and my, and my life I've um, never gone. I wish that hadn't have been my lot. Uh, it just every so when you, I mean, we all have our different things that go on, and I and and those are our opportunities to then um, say, what am I going to do with the lot that I've been given? And so um, I would say, the older I get, um, the the more I see uh, the opportunity, I think probably my biggest disappointments have been in um, where I have not uh, loved people enough um, on, uh, and, and um, uh, had relationships as the most important thing in my life. And so I've, I've been a disappointment to people in the past. I haven't valued relationships like I should when I did, but boy, it's an increasing desire in my heart today. And so relationships is the, you know, the most important thing to me. And um, I'm thankful for um, how God has um, continued to put that desire to serve others. I think we've been called another way to say glorify God and enjoy him forever is love God and love people. There is our purpose, Kelby, love God and love people. And I don't believe God is love. So now I'm going to get theological here. Mm -hmm. Outside of God, there is no love. So I wouldn't know how to love people if I didn't love God. And the reason I love God is because he loved me first and because mm -hmm. he is love. And so there you go. I'm going to, I mean, I'm not going to go too deep there, but. Hey, love God and love people, and God's continuing to put this desire on my heart to do that more. How did you not 
so you said that you never you never looked at it as I wish this wasn't my lot. You know how 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 did you not do that? Because in in your instances you just laid out, it would have been easy, so easy for you to say something like that or to think like that. So maybe it's because I was so young when it happened. I was it was in between kindergarten and first grade. You know, not quite seven. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're young, you're really resilient. And then you're always having people. I mean, Coach Dara, the nurses, the doctors, they're saying, man, you're so brave and things like that. And then the other thing is I was loved so much by my parents, especially my mom, that you just kind of have a swagger when you're in life. I mean, how do you not if you um, feel loved? And so I guess, Kelby, it kind of points to the most important thing is, do you, uh, do you know you're loved? And if you know you're loved, then all the other stuff is just kind of icing on the cake. But I, Kelby, I mean, now we're getting into my leg looks like a polio leg. It's all mangled up. I wore jeans in 110 degree weather until I was probably almost out of college because I was so, so, you know, I said, I wish it wasn't my lot, but I had things to overcome because, mm -hmm. um, you know, my foot stopped growing. So it's got drop foot and it's just like a nine-year-old foot and I can't go to the beach and run and things like that. But boy, I can do a lot. I learned to ski, um, slalom. Um, I learned, you know, and things like that. And so maybe I recognized, well, that is what happened. And then I recognized all the positive things that came out of what it took to overcome it. And then I um, probably thought there's some things I wouldn't have attempted or done. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I think maybe about, well, here's another thing. It's funny, you're just bringing up, but I'll never forget. I had to wear this brace at night and they didn't know a lot. That's a long time ago. The fact right. that I even have a leg, you know, and that they saved it and all this kind of stuff, but they put me in a big boot and they were going to try to get me to have dorsal flexion again, because mm -hmm. I, I don't have it. I can do this a little bit, but I can't raise my foot up. So they put me in this boot and the big brace and, and mom would come in and have to crank it up every night, hold it up there. And it hurt, but I never forgot. I, she, she told me at a young age that I will have a new body when the resurrection happens. And I, and I, and I said, will I have a new leg? And she said, yeah, you'll have a new leg. And probably a seven-year-old hearing that goes, well, I don't care if it's probably at a from an early age, I go, well, if it's 60, 70, or 80 years, that's just like a snap of a finger compared to eternity. And mm -hmm. so this is just a um short trial and a short time compared to um forever. Wow. And so ever since then, yeah, it's you've just had such a positive outlook when it just seems like, you know, it, you, you could have went the the other way. And it's admirable, you know. Well, I tell you what I and, and God has given me a heart to encourage others. Mm -hmm. And 
Someone once said, you know how you tell if somebody needs encouragement? You check their pulse. Hey, if we're alive, we all need encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my call in life. Um, and so whatever, I, I, I just hope I have the opportunity to encourage others um, and, um, and, you know, share the good news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what are you, what are your plans for this next, next decade? You said you're kind of, you're not quite sure, you know, but I think the wheels are turning there a little bit. Oh, the wheels are turning. The, the, the hard part for me, Kelby will be uh, to patient, to, to be patient. Psalm 27, 14 yeah. says, um, uh, you know, uh, be patient and wait for the Lord, be brave and courageous. And yes, patiently wait for the Lord. That will be my hardest. And I just decided what I'm going to do for the next six months. Then I've got different things that I'll do. And I mean, I, I'll be broadcasting and things like that if they ask me back. And and um, uh, and so, but one thing I'm going to do each day is I got a lot, a lot, a lot of friends and acquaintances. I'm going to call somebody every day and just say, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? And then I'm going to write down, I guess you could call it journaling. I'm going to have this book start in September 1. I'm going to write anything new that I've learned that day. And I figure between those two things, if I really do that, okay, mm -hmm. and this is where you take your mat with you. Can I do that? You know, I mean, if I do that, I believe, Kelby, that I couldn't even think or imagine what God may bring my way several months from now. So for me to jump in and do some of the exciting things that I have on my mind right now, when I don't have to, and I have this opportunity, it's kind of like, if I'm, I'm not a gambler, but in gambling, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, do I think it's worth letting it ride? And I do. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to the disciplined approach to, um, uh, doing those two things every day and just watching how uh, God unfolds it. And so I really couldn't tell you, I may be, uh, I may be, um, uh, you know, uh, running a fortune 500 company, or he may, I may be in the mountains of Colorado uh, learning to be a master gardener and cook <laughs> and um, live a quiet life. I, I, I don't know. Um, uh, and so we've got a place in Colorado Springs and that's where Lisa loves to be. And um, that's, you know, between there and Chattanooga is probably where we will spend most of our time. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, no, I, I really can't answer your question, but I did kind of allude to the fact that I do believe that our greatest value in society will be in our 70s. So I'm not going to go. I love to play golf. I'm not very good. I'm coming <laughs> your way. I mean, not as far. I'm, I'm going to be going to Des Moines tomorrow, Wednesday playing golf in Indianola, then going, we have a place at the Lake of the Ozarks and um, I'm meeting some staff down there as I land the plane, but I'm playing three straight days and I see that it's going to be over a hundred degrees all three of those days. Yep. Good thing I yeah. like to sweat. <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, um, it's, I, it's an exciting time um, uh, in front of me. I was just about to say that. It's just, it, to me, that's exciting. Kind of not quite knowing what you're doing, you're going to do next, but knowing that you have all these options and you don't, you, you know, you don't know what it's going to be, but you're just excited that what it's going to hold because it could be almost anything. And you're just looking forward to whatever it's going to be. Like, you got it. Um, last, 
you know, I want to wrap up your, you know, looking back on your career as a whole, just involved in wrestling. Like, I mean, it's been a great ride and you've done so much, you know, you're, you're in three hall of fames, you know, like how do you ever look back, you know, over the years and, and appreciate what you've done for the sport, how you've impacted it and impacted others through broadcasting, through coaching, through FCA wrestling. Well, you just said it, but I reverse it. One, I'm a look forward guy. Two, I do look back and I see what wrestling did for me and others did for me more and more. So uh, I fall woefully short in what I have, what value I added compared to what the sport of wrestling has meant to and did for and does for me and what others have done for me. And so what I'm most excited about is uh, God has really put on my heart an increasing recognition of, um, of that. I, I, um, um, one of my favorite uh, scriptures is First uh, Peter 5, 6, and 7. It says, humble yourself there for under the mighty hand of God and in due time, he will lift you up. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you, which is an act of humility in itself. And, you know, my natural inclination is not to humble myself and wait and let him lift me up. It's looking for ways to lift myself up, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and God has really, you know, you know, my, I, I am stinking prideful and I, I pray every day that he would take pride out of me and he would instill in me and help me recognize um, the humility of Christ so that, um, you know, I would grow more like him. And, um, and so um, the way you said that was really clear to me that I do look back and I'm grateful. I'm blessed and I'm thankful. I have a thankful heart. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is for what that sport, well, how God used that sport and other people uh, to um, love and bless me. And so now I just want to, continue to grow and be my best because I wouldn't even be thinking about broadcasting if I didn't think my 38th year will be my very best I've ever had Kelby I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not gonna uh I'm not you know uh, one I I don't think they can get anybody that's going to give anymore but someday they're going to decide that's that's not what they want but I can guarantee you I'm not going to slide I, I I already been thinking about you know what are the ways that I can be better and um and so that'll that'll keep me busy enough just thinking about that yeah i'd say because it's hard i know we're we're, we're our own worst critic you know but it, it's hard to just look at your broadcasting and go gosh where can he be better you know um it's it's that's a tough tough task you know yeah you know and i can tell you that um you know when you have great producers like i have yeah and they're the ones that help you and and um you know um i've learned so much you know you tell the best stories over and over and if i was on my own i'd be thinking well i told that story once and there if it's a great story the producers saying tell that story again and um and then you know learning things like when to lay out and just let the action take care of itself because we tend to think that we've got so much important to say and they need to hear us say that and i'm going 
wow, if I can overcome that, uh, you know, and that's something that, um, you know, producers have helped me with. But I know that, uh, I mean, you know, you're a delightful uh, young man, Kelby. And yet I can tell by your attitude um, that uh, you're going to be surprised 10 years, five years from now on how much more you know and how much better you can be than you are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, we can apply that to you because that's exciting to know. And it's like, you just said, you keep, you've said it a couple of times, the seventies are the best years. And so in five years, what you can look forward to and being like, man, look at how much more I've learned, even at the age of 75, yeah. I've learned so much more. Yes. And so it's all just, it's all just an exciting perspective, you know? Well, I think it's, you know, what I call it is uh, flourishing in the third third of your life. And mm -hmm. I want to help others do the same. And it's interesting because uh, that's all that is just, I'm, I, 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 I'm working with some other old retired men that are, we're kind of talking about that. And um, it's not just people my age that I want to help. It's people your age, because what if you were thinking at this time of your life going, well, it seems like forever, but Tim just told me that it goes just like that. So the more you think about what is the key to flourishing in the third third of your life? Well, I can tell you it's purpose. Know your purpose and meaning. It's relationships. I'll stop right there. So mm -hmm. if you were to go, well, do I know my purpose and my why? Is there more? Is there more to life than just this life? And how are my relationships? If you're thinking about them now, you're going to live. Science is on my side here. You're going to live longer. People with purpose and people with flourishing relationships live longer. I mean, you can look it up. And so if I could help people your age go. Well, it would make sense for my life right now to do the things that would make my life in my 70s and 80s better than I could ever imagine. Yeah. You know, um, you and mm -hmm. I are having a good time talking here. Yeah. I can't imagine that anybody is going that they probably turned you off, me off a long time ago because we, <laughs> we, we've talked so long. No, no. It, see, it's. It's been, yeah, it's been a little over an hour, but it's been an hour and, and change of captivating stuff of stuff that if you're listening to, and you're buying into this, you're going to want to listen and you're going to, you know, you're going to add this to your, to your life, you know, and I, that's, that's just my belief on it, you know, um, people, and, and I know, you know, this people can talk for an hour and not say anything. And then there's other people that can talk for an hour and they will just, they will change your life, you know? And so that's just my perspective on it. So I just appreciate that you taking the time to do this and sharing all this knowledge that you can apply to your life that you have from the sport, but just your positive perspective and outlook on, on just everything. And it's just, it makes me want to like, just, I don't know. I got all this energy now and it's at like 8 30 and i got all this energy like i just gotta go do something now um to better my life and uh, it's just there's a reason why shane you know when he when i asked him if if you'd be interested he said he's you're one of the greatest you're one of the best men he's ever met and he's ever known and so you know wow. this kind wow, of stamps on it you know it's very kind and encouraging and um um i love shane 
and um, he's done so much for wrestling. But and it's been a it's been great to be a small part of that. Um, and we have a tremendous relationship, and I'm real proud of him. Yeah, same. You know, um, I I think at first I was one of the people that were a little turned off by him. You know, he was very boastful. He was out there. He was just like, woo, and you're like, yo, tone it down a little bit, you know. But it just just grew on me, you know. It's and now, real. He's, yeah, he's the real exactly, deal. Exactly. Yep. That's who he is, and he's genuine. And man, you know. So I like uh, to say, you know, I'm not always going to be right, but I'm going to try to always be real. And I I prove it out that I'm not always right, but I I I hope that you know i'm I, i'm real and mm -hmm. um and so that's um i think i was I, I i remember where i was when i realized i was a big phony um uh, uh at one time uh back in my 20s and uh um and so it's uh it's exciting uh when you live a life of uh, of um you know authenticity and that's not always easy but yeah. it's um it's um it's worth it and if they found a fountain of you i wouldn't drink a drop and that's the truth funny how it feels i'm just getting to my best years yet the older i get thanks again for listening to this episode of the let's talk wrestling podcast special thanks to my guest tim johnson for taking the time to sit down and chat with me cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Take care. All the lines from all the times I've laughed and cried Souvenirs and little signs Of the life I've lived The older I